Good morning and welcome to another episode of the So We Speak podcast. So it's Cole Fakes and I've got my dad Terry Fakes here with me this morning. Good morning. So first of all, we want to thank everybody for listening. We want to thank everybody who sent texts and emails and left reviews um, of the podcast. We're really glad to see that it's making an impact. You know, our heart behind the website and the podcast is equipping people to be informed about the culture about what's going on in the Christian world, the secular world, what you see on the news, what you read, but also to resist the corrosive impact that those things have on your worldview. So we've been called by Christ to be transformed into His image, but we've also been called to interact meaningfully and engage the culture, be able to speak to what's happening, be able to share the gospel. And so our goal is to come alongside all of you that are listening and reading, and do just that. Absolutely. So this morning, what we want to do is we want to talk about kind of the bread and butter of the Christian life, which would, which is kind of be known as your quiet time in Christian circles. You know, and, I've searched the Bible diligently. I, I can't really find that there. Yeah, there's nobody. There's no record of anybody doing a quiet time in Scripture. And I think we'll talk a little bit later. I think quiet time is probably a misnomer for what you should be doing. Right. But that's what it's known as: is your quiet time. And so we want to talk a little bit about what is involved in a quiet time. What do you need to do on a daily basis to grow in your relationship with Christ? So I thought I'd kick that off just by saying, what do you do on a daily basis in your quiet time? Well, as a preface to that, let me quote my uh, friend Cliff Sanders, who likes to talk about instead of spiritual disciplines, I I like the way he frames it as means of grace. And so, despite my snarky comment a moment ago about quiet time not being in the Bible, the things you do in your quiet time are very much pervasive in the Bible. I always like to remind Cliff that that's that's a term that we get from Calvin, (laughs) Uh, means of grace. But I do like that as a concept. So, we think a lot of times as spiritual discipline, there's this picture of you gritting your teeth and doing something, and what that engenders is this sense of, if I do this every day, then God owes me spiritual growth. Or if I read my Bible consistently, then God will be happier with me. Or if I pray every day, then my chance of you know getting my requests answered should go up because I'm being faithful to the right. disciplines that I've been called to in Christ. Now, discipline is a biblical word. Yes. Hebrews 12 talks about discipline, but it's almost always used in the sense of uh, we have discipline that's given to us by the Spirit, or in that Hebrews 12 context, God is disciplining us as His children. So when we think about our quiet times, though, this is why means of grace is a better phrase. So means of grace is something that we do that opens us up or enables us to receive the grace of God on a daily basis. Agreed. I like the... Uh image of, particularly when I teach Philippians 4, 6, you know, don't be anxious in all things, uh, present your request to God and the peace of, I'm really shortening this, the peace of God will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. It's almost as though there's set up a conduit, if you will, where we exchange in some sense with God our concerns and anxieties, and we exchange it for the peace of Christ. So the discipline for me that's involved is the discipline of setting aside that time for a quiet time. What happens during the quiet time, I don't think of as much as discipline as a meeting place, a meeting time where grace gets poured into me through the various avenues that God has given us. So 
on a practical level, I do quiet time early morning. I know there are a lot of different schools of thought on this, and I know some of our listeners are going to say, boy, that doesn't work in my stage of life. And I'll tell you, there was a time in my life when it didn't either, but perhaps we'll get to that in a moment. But in the mornings, get up, uh, coffee, of course. I think I've said this many times. I believe Christianity in the West would fall without coffee and, yeah. uh, and coffee shops. But basically, I, I like to sit down and I begin to pray. I begin with prayer to set this time apart, to, I say, quote, invite God into this time. God doesn't need an invitation, but I need to frame my mind that this is a meeting place for God and for me, that my God who is always with me treasures the time that he and I can spend one-on-one. So I pray. Then, uh, and this is peculiar to me, and I don't mean this to sound uh, pretentious, but I read my Greek Testament when I was an undergraduate back in the Middle Ages, I studied Greek and Hebrew, and I found through my business career the the Hebrew was hard to keep up in the time I had, but I managed to keep up in the Greek. So I read, uh, I try to read a little uh, Greek text, and then I move into my reading plan. That's a, that's a short thing, but I move into my reading plan. Last year, I went through the Bible in chronological order. There's some great little chronological Bibles. This year, I started with the Psalms. And so my typical pattern, for example, this morning was a chapter of Proverbs, whatever day of the month it was, I would read that chapter, and then I'm working through 1 Thessalonians now. So I read that. Then I move into a time of journaling. Now, let me give you the caveat. I've tried to journal so many times in my life and failed. I'm just not a journaler. So I know there are people out there that are, and I admire you. I think that's wonderful. But I found in the past year or so that when I finish the Bible reading, I sit down, and instead of trying to write something profound, I will oftentimes write a prayer, mm-hmm. write a closing prayer. So for me, it's a, it's a bit of a sandwich of prayer, reading my Bible, not studying my Bible, not reading what I'm teaching, just reading to let it absorb into me. And then I end with a prayer, but oftentimes nowadays that's a written prayer. So in a, in a short version, that's what I do in the mornings. How about you? What's your routine for quiet time? You know, for me, the, the Bible reading and prayer and all that really comes down to one principle. And this is kind of how I revolve you know, my time with the Lord. It changes every six months, every year based on circumstances and uh, job, like all of that kind of influences the time that you spend with God. But to me, the main thing is my goal in my quiet times in the mornings is I want to meet with God. I want to commune with Him. I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I want to be happy in Him. And I want to bear my heart and soul before Him that day, mm-hmm. both if I can, usually in the morning and before bed, it's almost a centering mechanism that you, you know, it takes a lot of discipline to make this happen, but you drive a stake in the ground and you say, I'm going to do this in the morning. Hopefully I'm going to do this at night. And that's the way I'm going to keep myself tethered to Christ. And so for me, it really doesn't matter as much how much time you spend doing it. But it matters the quality that you get with God in the time that you do spend. So on a regular morning, I'm going to wake up, I'm going to make coffee, 
I'm always reminded of Tommy Nelson's statement that that your quiet time should be done alongside something addictive, and <laughs> you can you can uh, you can pick whatever that is. But right. with, with some addictive substance like coffee, um, you sit down, and my first thing is always to pray. I want to I want to ask God to open my heart, to direct my mind to the scriptures, to see what He's saying. Um, because I think there is a big difference between Bible study and quiet time. Agree. And we're, we've we've scheduled out. We're going to do some some podcasts on Bible study. What does it look like to study the Bible in your own time? What does it look like to study the Bible in order to teach it? But as far as your quiet time is concerned, I really wouldn't think about it as Bible study. I would think about it more as listening to the living voice of God in the Scriptures. And whatever you have to do to make that happen should be your goal. So I'm a big fan of Bible reading plans, and so I, I, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But so I open up, I read my Bible reading plan, I go through Old Testament, New Testament, some wisdom literature, and then I'll pray out loud after that. And one of the things that really changed the game for me in, in quiet times is I used to read the Bible for information, and I used to read it as. Uh, I don't want to get into the whole, you know, checking the box thing because people are like, well, I'm just reading check the box. You know, that doesn't really count. And we'll talk about that when we get to Bible reading plans. But I think I used to read as a a formal enterprise, like this is something I have to do in order to engage God. Now I read the Bible to enjoy God. And my goal in my time in the Word is to meet with Him. One of the early missionaries, George Muller, said that he would read until he found himself happy in the Lord every day. And then he would know that he had done what he needed to do. And so I see the Bible reading in your quiet time, as opposed to study, as a springboard for your prayer time. To me, your prayer in the morning is more important than anything else you do. But the other things are important to make sure that you actually get that time. So I would suggest praying out loud. That's what I do. And that's hard in some circumstances. There are certain seasons of life where that's just probably right. not possible. Not as practical. But if you have the opportunity, whether it's in your car, whether it's in the morning at your house, or you can go outside on the porch, after I get done reading the Bible, I will pray out loud to God about what I've read. Mm-hmm. That to me is that application piece of what I'm Reading. So right now, and some sections of the Bible are harder than others, but if you're creative, you can do it. So I was reading in Jeremiah yesterday morning, and it's the section where, um, you know, Jeremiah says, Oh, that my head were a fountain and my eyes were, would flow Love. with tears. And that's a little bit hard to put into practice. But, but one of the things that you have to think about is, okay, the, the way that this passage is meant to be heard is that Jeremiah is weeping and mourning that his people have forsaken the Lord. Now that becomes something that's very easy to pray about. So what you want to do is take that, internalize it, and then go to God with that and say, you know, so my prayer time yesterday looked a lot like, God, where are the areas of of our culture? Where are the areas of the world that I should be broken about and I'm not? Yes, And so when you engage God on that level on a daily basis, that's where transformation really happens. Because I didn't leave there yesterday with the same mindset as I came into it, because I was allowing that word to refine my thinking. But that only took place partially in reading the Bible. It yes. took place mostly in praying through that with God and listening and 
you know, not you're not expecting an audible voice in that moment, but you're expecting God to start churning things on a deep level. I'm not really a journaler. I envy people that are journalers, um, but I've never been able to, to to do that. But basically, for me, it's prayer, Bible reading, prayer. A lot of times, I'll worship. I'll play a song. I'll sing a song out loud mm-hmm. uh, that I'll play either on my phone or or something else because I think. One of the things you see in the New, in the New Testament is when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, in Ephesians and in Colossians, it says that one of the signs is that you will sing psalms and hymns and spiritual, spiritual songs, songs and yes. make joy come out of your heart in a way that you sing. Right. So I like to do that in the morning as well. Now, one of the things that I think will be most beneficial in this podcast is not just what you and I do in the morning, because as we've already said that a cookie cutter approach to your time with God is not necessarily the best thing for your growth. But what would you say is the bottom line for a quiet time? If you're going to if you're going to discipline yourself and set aside the time, here's what you need to do to have a successful time with the Lord on a daily basis. What are what are kind of the non-negotiables for you in terms of what you do in that time? Yes, well we you know if you think about it between the two of us, the two things that jump out is being in the Word of God and prayer, communing with God. And let me jump on something you said about being in the Word of God. So even in Thessalonians, when I study the Bible, I'm looking for the ideas, the truth, the things in this case that the Apostle Paul and the Holy Spirit is pouring out. But when I read devotionally, maybe that's the way to the adjective to use, when I read devotionally, what I'm doing is simply soaking in the Word. And here's, I hear different things. For example, in the book of 1 Thessalonians, there are some powerful ideas. Paul is teaching them, but he talks to them like a father would to his beloved children. And when I soak in the Word, when I'm reading through that, I can feel that. I can hear the context. I call it... Uh, basically becoming immersed in the Word. I believe there's something supernatural that happens when the Holy Spirit takes the Word of God into my heart and begins to use it. And it's not a cognitive process. It's not, oh, I had this insight. That's true. Those are very good things. But I think the Spirit's doing something by immersing myself in the Word of God. So I would say that prayer time, and I love your idea of praying and the way you pray, but I, I guess I can't think of a better way to say it than simply immersing myself in the Word without any expectation of an epiphany or any expectation of, oh God, you showed me something powerful this morning. Can that happen? Sure, but that's not what I approach it with. I simply want to uh, bathe myself in the Word of God, but that's the way I feel about it when I come to it. That's that's really good. and. That's a struggle sometimes because I I think if you look at the data about Christian experience, Christians reading the Bible, Christian spiritual growth, one of the things that you always see is the biggest deterrent to spiritual growth, at least from a self-diagnosis standpoint, is not being able to read the Bible in such a way that's applicable to your life. Right. And so I see this data, and of course, as a pastor, you talk to people almost every day. Mm-hmm. And one of the big obstacles to overcome is, well, when I read my Bible, I don't get anything out of it. And I feel for that. There are moments that I read my Bible and I don't get anything out of it. And I have a seminary degree. I mean, there's no guarantee <laughs> that that more information is going to enable you 
to get something every morning out of your quiet time. Well, let me jump in there too. Again, not to belabor this morning's, but what I got out of this morning, so to speak, was as I felt and I could hear Paul longing for the, he loved these people. As a teacher, I like Doug Wilson's statement. I may have mentioned it before. Doug Wilson says this, the best teaching happens when you are teaching something you love to people that you love. And as a teacher, I don't have much trouble teaching things that I love. We'll talk about that when we get into Bible study and preparing for a lesson. But that was a great reminder that, you know, and my prayer was, Lord, may my teaching always come across, may it feel the way the Apostle Paul felt about those people. That was a, it wasn't an epiphany, but it was a great reminder. It softened me, if you will. Well, I want to lay out a principle that I think is, is, if not the most important principle, it's near the top, and that would be consistency. If you want to get anything out of your time with the Lord in the mornings or at night or whenever you do it, you need to be consistent. And the two things I, I tell people, because this is what I've told myself, this is what I've learned, is it's always easier to read the Bible when you're currently reading the Bible. So this is like working out. It's the hardest time ever to work out is when you haven't been working out. Exactly. Because you haven't allocated the time. And so you got to figure out how to fit the gym into your schedule. And you've got to redo the way that you see that. But then secondly, when you start working out again after you haven't worked out for a while, it's miserable because you're sore. You're unbelievably right. sore. For like three or four days at a time, you can be sore. And then you don't want to go back. Right. But what you have to tell yourself is... When you've been working out, you aren't as sore, and it's not as big a deal to set aside the time. And the same thing is true with the Bible. The hardest time to read the Bible is when you haven't been reading the Bible. And the easiest time to read the Bible is when you've been consistently reading the Bible. So if you want to be consistent, you actually have to be consistent. It's almost a self-fulfilling prophecy. Right. If you will put forth the time to do it, then you will put forth the time to do it. And and the second thing I always tell people is your Bible reading is not like winning the lottery. It's like accumulating interest. So people right. expect to come to the Bible and every day you get this amazing insight and God speaks and the heavens open and your <laughs> face glows afterwards. Right. That's just not the way that, that it works. And there's a lot of biblical evidence for this, but I would just liken it to money. You know, people people approach the Bible like winning the lottery. Like right. You just buy this ticket, you're going to be the person that wins the lottery, and that's not the way the Bible works. Be careful. Too. That's my retirement plan. Yeah. Right there. Yeah. It's 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 not something that we would ever recommend to somebody for fiscal responsibility. Right. And it's not something I would ever res- recommend to somebody for spiritual responsibility. Reading your Bible every day is like accumulating interest. So the principle you're paying into the principle every day when you sit down and read the Bible. And you may not get a ton out of it. Great way to think about it. You may have days where you don't feel like this was anything earth shattering. I probably Mm -hmm. could have gone through my day without this. I mean, those thoughts run through your head, but what you're doing is over weeks and months and years, you are sowing ever so slightly into that principal amount and God is accumulating interest in your soul 
by what you're doing reading the Bible. That's a, that's a great point. makes me think of two things. One, little crass, but have you ever seen a fat person jogging? Now, the reason I bring that up is I was that guy. I had gotten to a point in my life in my early 30s where I was way overweight, and I remember being out jogging. I remember I couldn't run a mile. I mean, I couldn't run a mile without having to stop and walk when I started doing that. And I thought, you know, when people look at me, you know what they think? Hey, nice try, buddy, but this this run's not going to do it for you. But six months of running, a year of running, jogging made all the difference in the world. And so I would just encourage people to say, and to say, it really does work. That's a brilliant analogy. My second thing, point is this. I know what it feels like to have fallen out of it and try to get back in. I know that what that feels like in jogging. I know what it feels like at the gym. And I, I know what it feels like with reading the Bible. Here's one of my favorite Chinese proverbs. It says, the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. Mm. And the second best time is today. And I would encourage people, just start. Yeah. So let's give some some practical thought as to when you sit down and you're going to do your quiet time, what are the things that need to be there? Obviously, the Word of God needs to be there. There's got to be some kind of interaction with the Word. And some counsel that I would give to everybody is pick a Bible reading plan. Now, Mm -hmm. some people have an aversion to Bible reading plans. And I used to be in this camp. I used to think if you use a Bible reading plan, that that basically undoes any of what you can do with the Bible reading plan because you're just essentially forcing yourself to mechanically go through Scripture. So I thought for a long time it was much more spiritual and much more nourishing to just open your Bible and spontaneously read Mm. whatever it was that God brought to mind. Or, you know, just pick something and be like, well, for the next two days I'm going to read, you know, Ephesians. Mm -hmm. And then I'm going to pray and I'm going to ask God. And, you know, I might end up in Joel the next day. You just, you never know. I mean, and I thought that that was spiritual. That was spiritual because you were following the leading of the Spirit. But I've actually come to see in my own life, and, and pastoring will definitely do this to you, the people that grow consistently are the ones that have a plan. I've never seen anybody grow who didn't have a plan for their Bible reading. Right. So when you sit down, you need a Bible reading plan. I wouldn't say that th- this is a, a non-negotiable, but I would say if you think you're the exception to this, you're probably not. Right. You're probably not the exception. Everybody should have a Bible reading plan. And today, the great thing is Bible reading plans are so accessible that you can do it on your phone. You can get a piece of paper. Right. You can. There's software on the internet that will actually generate a reading plan for you. And so whether you want to do a year or whether you want to do kind of an intensive, like yeah. the version has plans that are a week long, a month long, 21 days long, a year long, pick your plan, but then do it. And here's another benefit of that. I found that just as in teaching, if I'm not careful, you know this as a teacher, you will tend over time to subconsciously gravitate to a few ideas that you really like or that you resonate with, and there's a whole wealth of the Bible that you will not teach. And it's subconscious. You just drift there. I like Bible reading plans because I know I'm going to read a lot in the Bible. I'll get the breadth, what Paul in Acts calls the whole counsel of God, and not just gravitate to, I mean, if you left it up to me, I might just read the Gospel of John over and over and over, but that wouldn't be healthy. That would be like a diet where, you know, all I ever ate 
was uh, fast food. Mm-hmm. And I can't be healthy that way. So I also like it because it forces you into reading the whole counsel of God. Yeah, the, you, when you select your text, you're going to select the things that you like. So you see people that do this. They only read the Psalms, basically. And it's like, you, that's not enough nourishment. That's not enough of God's Word to actually power you through all of life. Now, the Psalms is awesome. I think you should read it every day. Mm-hmm. But I think you should read other things as well. So reading plans is a must, in my opinion. you gotta, you got to have a plan. You have to structure your time. You have to have some ability to stay consistent in the Word. What other tips would you give people practically as they're doing their quiet time? Uh, this may be a little off, off the subject, but one thing, I do a quiet time in the morning, but at night I've gotten into a habit for some time of reading a psalm before I go to bed. It takes just a moment, well, except for Psalm 119. But all the other psalms are really a quick read, and I like to end my day with a prayer and, and one of the psalms. But as far as uh, you know, getting into the Word in that quiet time, Literally, it's called a quiet time because you just need a quiet place. And I know that's going to immediately bring up a challenge because I remember the stage of life when we had little kids. I'm getting ready to work, getting the kids up. Laura's doing the same. And it was difficult to find a quiet time or a quiet place. I realize that there are uh, women listening to our podcast who say yes, and I uh, have the privilege of being a, a, quote, stay-at-home mom. But basically, I'm with my children most of the day, and it's very difficult with little children to get that time. But I do think the essence of a quiet time is undistracted time. What do you think about that? You know, I think there's a lot of freedom in quiet times that people maybe feel like it's, you know, the the plan has to be so rigid and so hyper-spiritual that you have to do certain things in order to you know, make it work. And, and, and honestly, that sounds more like magic than it does like Christianity. That right. you've got to do, you know, this amount of Bible reading and light these candles and say this kind of prayer. And at the end, you know, say mm-hmm. the magic words and then God, you know, grows you spiritually. But the point of a quiet time, if the point is not to acquire information and the point is not to put God in your debt and the point is not to go through a, a ritual, Instead, if the if the goal is to enjoy God and commune with Him, then there's a lot of freedom in what you can do in your quiet time. I right. would say, you know, kind of what we've covered so far, the only non-negotiables would be the Bible needs to be involved and prayer needs to be involved. And other than that, you really should feel free to explore whatever else you need to do. If you need to be moving, if you need to be running or walking, or mm-hmm. if you need to be outside in nature, then make that happen. If you need to sing, if you need to color, if you need right. to journal, if you need to do uh, you know, a different thing every day, you should feel free to do that. I mean, th- this isn't something where there is a prescriptive biblical model. The only model is commune with God. Right. And whatever it takes to do that, which I would think would include prayer and the Word, mm-hmm. do that. Well, can I add one thing from my business life is there were times when... Uh, I didn't do morning quiet times. I think it's better. That's just my opinion. But there were years that I went through where I didn't do that. And one of the things I did that brought two things together, a lot of people ask me, how can I be a witness at work? And that's a separate subject, but it actually ties together. What I would do is I would take a Bible to work, and I put it on my desk, or you could put it in your desk, whatever. I just left mine over sitting on the corner of my desk. And I would take my, quote, break, at work. The nature of my job was not a fixed break time, but I would schedule 
15 minutes in my calendar. And I would take that time as though I were on a phone call or a meeting, and I would open my Bible, I would do my reading, I would do my prayer, and I would basically have a quiet time. I liked doing that during the day. I'm not saying you can't do both. The other thing it did was, you'd be surprised, not that people are seeing you do a quiet time, but just the fact of having a Bible on your desk, you'd be surprised how often somebody will mention something about that. So it's a it's a very surreptitious and not a very forward way of just basically quietly letting people know that you're a Christ follower. So the bottom line, I think, would be consistency in the Word and in prayer, doing things that change it up. So one of the things I'll do to change it up is I'll read a different Bible translation each time through the Bible. Um, A lot of times I'll engage in the tougher books. Like I said, when you're trying to pray through what you've read and you, you really don't know exactly what the Scripture is saying, I'll, I'll engage a study Bible or uh, a commentary that's not technical, right. something that will just stimulate your thinking. Journaling is helpful. Do whatever it takes. Fight for that time, not so that you can check it off of a list, not so that you can feel like uh, you've done something that's now deserving of God's favor. Do something where you're eager to meet with God on a daily basis. Well, thanks for listening to another So We Speak podcast. For more information, go to SoWeSpeak.com. If you like what you've heard, share it or leave us a review on iTunes. We'll see you guys in a couple of weeks. Okay, so we've talked kind of generally about quiet times, but let's let's really get down to it here. If somebody were gonna were going to get to do a Terry Fakes quiet time with you, which I'm sure there's a lot of us that would really like to see what that's like. So if we're going to sit down with you during your quiet time, what might we be surprised to see or find out? Well, let's see. Right now, we just got a puppy a few months ago. The thing that would surprise you most is uh, how I can simultaneously uh, deal with the dog and read my Bible. Yeah, you, yeah. you almost got her reading yeah. Greek, I think. Uh, yeah, I think so. I think little Rosie... The uh, Havanese is, uh, I pretty well got her into the New Testament. She's struggling with the Old Testament right now. So as, I think, as you would expect. Yeah, as you would expect. In, in, in I think she's having a harder time seeing the re- relationship of the Old and New Testament. So anything unique, Bible translations, any, anything unique about your quiet time? Yeah, I don't know if I would say it's, uh, it's unique to my quiet time, but I read out of an ESV. Mm-hmm. And I, uh, I'm not an ESV bigot. I just think it's a really good translation. I I you are am. an ESV bigot. Okay, well, I'm not a bigot, uh, but I do think it's a very good translation and uh, a little more word for word, and I'm, I'm hearing the original maybe a little better through it. But that would that would be there, but I don't have very much. You know, I usually have my Greek text open, my Bible open, a uh, pen and uh, paper, my moleskin at my side, and a cup of coffee. Yeah, I, I during my quiet time, I, I keep it pretty simple. Um, I don't know that there's any major eccentricities other than the fact that I've been going through this thing where I like to read the reader's version of the ESV during my quiet time. So that's just oh, a, yeah. a, a Bible that doesn't have any verses. It's single column. It's very much like reading it as a book. Some of them have chapter uh, delineations and, and others some don't. Of them don't. Right. So a good one would be like the Letters of Paul. Put out by Crossway, the ESV version of that. No chapters, just the letters as you would have read them right. on the scrolls when Paul wrote them. 
the reader's Bible that I'm using does have chapters, but it's it's the whole Bible altogether. But I really love that you really get lost in the text itself. You're really yes. experiencing it as opposed to stopping and starting and trying to memorize and remember things. I just think it's helpful to dive into the text a little bit that way. So I that's one that's one thing that probably is a little bit different. It is, but let me jump on that for a second. You know how I realized that that was a good thing to do? The first time I read uh, a reader's version, no verse numbers, no chapters, no little headings, it made me anxious. Mm-hmm. And I'm reading through and I go, oh, that is a beautiful path. Oh my goodness, I will never find it again. I don't know what verse it is. I yeah. don't know what chapter I'm in. And I realized... Terry, you need this. It you are way against, too wrapped around the verses and the chapters. It does. It battles against credit, I think, is one of the, the strong things it about does. it. Is you don't feel like you're getting credit. You're not going to be able to reference it later right? You know when you're talking. Um, you're not going to be able to memorize it. You're not going to be able to refer to it you know, in any form or fashion. I actually really like that for yeah. the discipline of quiet times. Other than that, pretty simple. I, I'm a little neurotic about writing in Bibles. I... You know, so I have Bibles that you write in and Bibles that you don't. I mean, oh. the, the nothing makes me nothing makes me more anxious than when you see somebody who's used like different color highlighters and pens and you know all of that. They have uh-huh. like a they have like a, a marker bag that they study their Bible with. That that uh, yeah. stresses you, me. That out. you don't that. like that. No, so I I in my Bible that I do my quiet time with, I literally have a credit card in there that I use to make straight lines underlining uh. the text and I'll write in the margins. But but that's it. I don't like anything more than that. You know, I'm a write in the Bible kind of guy. Uh, I'll use That's the other thing you'll see is I'll have a highlighter typically there to just hit things that really jump out to me. And I know what you mean. It bothers me when I underline something with my pen and I, I know it's not straight. But I can't bring myself to uh, to become so neurotic that I have to have to draw a line. Sorry about that.